1: Before we get started with this episode of Bench with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast, joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB draft kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code BUBBA. Rotoballer is home to the number one Fantasy Pro's accuracy ranker, Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code BUBBA. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash BUBBA and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff, and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Bubba on the Bat Flip, episode 45. We have like three or four days worth of baseball in the books now. The Dodgers Giants are wrapping up the weekend, their fourth game, on this wonderful slate of action. We've got a bunch of injuries to talk about, some fab, and much, much more. You can find me on Twitter at BDEntrick, and my co-host is always on this, on Twitter, at BatFlipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man?
2: I'm doing great, Bubba. We've got uh, four days of baseball in the bag, pretty much. Like you mentioned, there's still a game going on. Not going to lie, though, I'm exhausted. I feel like, I feel like, uh, you know, fab is kind of like, I don't know if exercising is the right thing, but like playing actual sports where it's like you don't do it for nine months and then you try to do it and you're just like, like, what's happening? Like, I can't. Like mentally challenging, like physically, I'm absolutely exhausted. I was up to like 2 o'clock in the morning yeah, last night, like trying to do it. Just And, of course, I, I already noticed one mistake I made. But, oh, well, it happens, it happens. in the best place, right? I can, only, I can only imagine doing fab
1: for like you doing fab because you have so many teams you have to do fabs for. I could just – like I think I have like seven or eight. That takes me a good hour, hour and a half or so if I'm really diligent on it. A couple of rosters I was like, I really don't have a lot I want to churn and spend on. So it wasn't as bad this week. But I can only imagine what you're going through right now. So that's uh, we'll get to the fab. We will get to the fab here. We will, we will get to the fab. It will be a part of the program, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Weekly on this edition. Okay. Um, before we get into the the recent news, the injuries, all the craziness that's taken place this past weekend, let's talk some positivity here. And positivity? What, um, yes, concept. What is this positivity you speak of? Light at the under the other side of the rainbow. It's a good times here. Good stuff. I thought here. it was
2: gold. I thought it was gold. gold there, at the the, end of the, of the
1: tunnel. There we go. I'm looking, I'm looking for some gold. There we go. Well, the way you're uh, you're starting out the main event, you're looking at some gold. But we'll get to that also here. There's there's a listener question on that, so we'll get to that there in a little bit. But um,
2: <laughs> proof we'll- prove that over the course of four days, anybody can win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the lottery, dude. Just.
1: Oh, that's great. Oh, you you uh, got your boys, Real Muto. I love every time Real Muto goes yard, Yancy tweets out. Bat flip crazy must be. <laughs> because we pretty much know you have like 90% of the shares of JT Real Muto out there. Um, i not
2: going to lie. Like he was up today with the bases loaded. <laughs> and I was watching it. And, and he got two pitches that he just missed from uh, Yimi Garcia on the Marlins. And then he popped out, of course. So we didn't get anything out of it. I was just, I was ready. There was a couple of times today where I was just ready to explode like that. And then Will Myers getting up with a runner on second down one against Archie Bradley, like my arch nemesis. So it's just like, it was, I thought it was coming together. I thought the world was like, there was going to be some portal that opened or something like that. (laughs) This is how, like just the start
1: of this conversation, I was going to say, let's just talk about what we enjoyed this week. And we already are. So it just shows you how much we love baseball because everyone knows you're the JT guy, um, I'm getting text. I, I wake up from a nap yesterday to uh, Mike Curlin DMing or uh, tweeting at me about Didi Gregorius going deep for the second straight day because I was the guy that was high on Didi. Like we all have these 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 fun things, but like, what stood out to you? Because there was there's a ton of awesomeness. We're gonna have to go to some of the ne- the negatives with the injury replacement stuff, but what were some of the positives? Because there was a lot of good baseball.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think that there's. I mean, there's so many things to draw away from. I mean, I think that obviously the, like, I mean, we talk about positivity. I mean, but I mean, there's some really good hitting teams, I think. Right. And there's going to be some ball games that are like really high scoring games here, especially we're not even in the, in the number four and five starters for most teams. Right. And I think we're seeing some really high scoring games. And so I think that's one thing that kind of stood out to me is, and I definitely think the ball is the same, like, I mean, there's been some home runs that have been hit. There's been a lot of oppos. I remember the White Sox, I think, hit like three or four opposite home, field home runs, like in one game against the Twins. Um, so I think there's that. I mean, I think, I think, I think there's, you know, and the, the injuries is obviously something that is important, right? And then the, and the COVID stuff, and we want to keep it positive, but it's important to recognize that because, you know, there's some, there's certain teams that that's going to impact. Um, and so hopefully they can sort out a way to make sure that that doesn't happen, you know, whether that's all of the players wearing their masks, I mean, you have like Frankie Lindor playing the whole game with his mask on, you know, Frank, if Francisco Lindor can do that, like other, other players can. Um, I think, um, you know, obviously like I'm a fan of the aces and for the ones that didn't get injured, um, they really, I think, you know, you saw that on Wednesday. There was just some incredible performances already where where it felt like the pitchers were ahead of the hitters. And then now we're seeing where it's like, well, maybe it's just there's some good pitchers that went, you know, uh, uh, Thursday, thir- Friday, Friday and, and, and Saturday a little bit, too. So the next couple of days is going to be really interesting because we're getting into some real uh, tough stuff going. How about you? Yeah. Anything that stood out for you?
1: After about the first, like, three pitchers in a rotation, it's going to get real ugly. We saw some of that on Sunday, and uh, like you said, <laughs> Monday is going to be an interesting set of pitching matchups out there overall. Um, but it was fun. Like, watching Cookie Carrasco absolutely deal today with everything he's gone through. We, like, we, we love Cookie on this show. A lot of people do. That was awesome to see. He was just locked in. Um, that was good. There was, like you said, tons of great pitching. Over over the, the week, and uh, seeing Nelly Cruz, just 40 years old, but doesn't care. Like that's a beautiful thing. Your Bomba Squad just teeing off dude. like crazy again.
2: Bomba squad, the yeah. twins. It's, it's, twins it, it, and White Sox, man. Those games are legit. Awesome. Yeah. Like both of those lineups are just so young deep. and awesome. And yeah, they're <laughs> young, they're awesome, they have fun. The Padres, dude. like the Padres look like they were having a party on the field yesterday. It was amazing. Like that is something that I think is, I think we're seeing more of that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Um, I feel like we're seeing more of players kind of taking the lead, you know, in setting the, the tone or the, um, you know, and I don't know whether it's as a result of COVID and just like, you know, you know, like there's so much at stake for them, but just like really owning, um, their own, like they're the game, you know, and I think that's really good news for baseball because MLB is so backward. Like, I think this, the players are really starting to really, really push that, which has been exciting. Like, just, yeah. you know, it's game three, like, it was game two, and the Padres were like, yep, just having a blast. You know, like how, he, how, how he awesome having a blast I bet!
1: How awesome would like a uh, a White Sox Padres World Series yeah. be? Just those two, youth, like the youth there, seven game series. Like pitching can kind of be hit and miss at
2: times, but it'd be just amazing, amazing stuff. Oh so. man, it's um, and I think that's it's just it's it's uh, it's 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 really wonderful. And I know you know we always we always have to contextualize it within what's going on because not everything is wonderful. But just being able, like, I check box scores religiously. I check live scoring religiously and it's a God awful habit. And I hope nobody else develops it. But like there is this strange sick sense of satisfaction that I get out of just doing like, just, just like checking it out. You know, your guys up, and you see the score change, you're just like, yeah. damn,
1: guess if it's, like it's a big, if it's a big moment, you take it off like the Yahoo feed, like the live MLB feed, so you can see where the balls and strikes are because oh, no, no, you're, sit, you're no, sitting there waiting.
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I just skip around game to game watching the yeah. guys that I have in. My favorite thing is when you know your guy's leading off, and then you mm-hmm. check the score, and they've scored one more run, and there's no outs, and you're like, guess what? what? I shot? know what the only <laughs> possible outcome there is, right? In-play runs. Home it, run. <laughs>
1: Boom. <laughs> yep.
2: JT so, Maramuto.
1: Yeah. There you go. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's been great. Uh, watching lineups come out and, and dissect those before locks and then uh, watching the box scores is always a good time. But uh, let's get into some of the news and notes from the week. We'll kick it off with the big one. Justin Verlander, he pitched pretty well in his first start. Didn't seem to be too crazy. No reports coming out of that. Um, you know, he, he had the, the hip and the groin issue in the offseason. season. Nothing crazy, but uh, he's down and out for the rest of the season with a shoulder injury, which are uh, an elbow injury, which seems pretty crazy. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere for this one for me. Obviously, you can't just replace Justin Verlander. But how would you, um, you know, with the the Strohs, you got Framber Valdez or Keaty, maybe Whitley and other options. What do you think the plan of attack is?
2: Yeah. Shout out to Samada who just put a sad face in the, in the, uh, in the comments over there. And we'll get
1: to those other questions
2: when towards uh, later in the show. Don't yeah, for sure. Yeah. With Verlander. I mean, obviously he had the two issues earlier this year. I own him in places though, because Verlander is, he's the best, right? He's been the best starting pitcher the last two years in a row. He's been uh, utterly dominant. Right. And so it's a risk that a lot of us were willing to take and, I took in some of my, uh, one of my bigger leagues, which is unfortunately, because I also have Strasburg in that league. Um, But, um, you know, with Verlander, you can't necessarily replace him. But I think what we're going to, I think like the, the, the more and more of the sense that I get is it is a shortened season. And so we need to move quickly. But what strikes me as like a decent strategy, especially if you're really scrambling for pitching and people have mentioned this before, and I was a little down on it to begin with, but I think right now, kind of middle relievers or those guys who are kind of high skilled with the, with the higher Ks are a nice little bridge. Because I think the hardest thing about the this, this, this shorter season is we don't know who guys are yet, right? Is like we have such a small sample and we only see them against certain teams, right? So it might be like, you know, and this was actually the first thing that concerned me a little bit about Verlander is he had a great start outcomes wise. But when you looked under the hood, his CSW was like around 27% and he was going against the Mariners and I thought that that was a little tricky because I think that's what you got to contextualize a lot of the stats you're seeing with is like who are they facing that's what makes something like Spencer Turnbull so impressive today is cuz he was going against maybe a little bit of a softer side of the Reds lineup yeah. than usual but like he was going up against a good team there are some bad teams there well I said there were some good teams there are some really bad teams I think too that you're going to need to take advantage of mm-hmm. and so I think what you United got to do is you got to play matchups you got to take some risks maybe middle relievers for like this week, next week, and maybe the next week, just so we get a sense of like who may be good or not. But what you got to do is you got to jump in front of the line to the guys who could potentially be good. Right. Mm -hmm. And so if you're in a shallower league, you're going to have a few more options in a deeper league. Like maybe, you know, you're not going to have that many options, but I think those are some of them. And what I might recommend, especially if you're chasing saves is like, I targeted a guy like Jonathan Hernandez of the Rangers a lot this week in Fab where it's like the cost isn't prohibitive, right? I think it was like 24 bucks, 18 bucks, something like that with the bids that I got him. You know, LeClerc already looks a little shaky. They've already mentioned that they maybe want to move him around a little bit. So just kind of maybe taking some of those risks where there could be high upside and you believe that a guy is actually pretty good. So that's what I would kind of do because I don't think there is a replacement. So you you can't replace the volume necessarily, but you can at least try to get at some of those skills and give yourself a little bit of time to better understand which pitchers are kind of with it a little bit and which ones are maybe a little behind in their preparation.
1: Yeah, I, I can definitely get, feel that. And that kind of brings me to a question I wanted to ask you, because I know you pay attention to the CSWs, the velocities, all that kind of stuff. And Jeff Zimmerman does his usual like spring training notes. was tweeting stuff out. A lot of guys are tweeting stuff out. But Jeff uh, tweeted out a, a a uh, list from opening night alone and i know there's been more since opening night especially when it comes to like closers a lot of closers with some down velocity like bum down morton's down um anderson was down aaron nola duffy heaney stripling musgrove frankie montas a lot of guys are down and we've talked about it And it's kind of a listener question that we can kind of hit now or we can bring it up later as well in a shortened season we got to pull the pen quicker like, how do you, do you want two starts of bad velocity and you get concerned or what are you going to do there? Because like with Verlander, yes, the CSW is done with the results fantasy wise are still good. So you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to roll with him. But what are you doing with this? Cause I know you focus on stuff like that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think one thing that's helpful to realize is that the vast majority of people are in the same boat. Like everybody is looking at pitchers and just being like, good God next week, like at least in 15 teamers, like next week I'm starting like Alec Mills on like all of my teams, I'm starting Merrill Kelly on some of my teams, even though he's got like a start against the Dodgers. Like we're all in the same boat where we're struggling with volume, we're struggling with the lack of really decent pitchers. And I think you need to analyze and figure out who you think might be able to outperform what those expectations are. And I do think the velocity readings are helpful. So like you know, and 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 I think Eno has uh, Saras has talked about this before but you know i think over the course of a season generally velocity increases like about a mile per hour i think mm-hmm. and i'm not sure how much of that is just guys getting you know Imagine getting uh, loose
1: stretched out warmed
2: up but and also the, yeah. the weather maybe a little bit too like getting hotter weather but whatever it is like they're they're they if a guys like within 1 mile per hour or not you know like i think that that's that's fine and i think that's what jeff's tweet said generally speaking or maybe it was 0.5 yeah. miles per hour but like You know, look at those types of factors because it's like, like Charlie Morton for me. I like to look at what Charlie Morton did, and I'm like, because his Velo was down about like two miles per hour, I think. 2.6 miles per hour. He got his CSW was like 22%. And once the Blue Jays realized that, I think, once they caught on to it that second time around he couldn't get any swings and misses. He couldn't get any called strikes because they just, that's a massive difference. So I'm like looking at him and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to start him at Atlanta because he's like, you know, he's Charlie Morton. And I, but I'm like that. I'm struggling with that. Right. Like I have about as much confidence in Charlie Morton this week as I do with Alec Mills and his two starts, you know, and hopefully he figures it out. But I think these are the data points. And I think, like Jeff is great. I mean, Jeff puts out so much good content over and over and over again. Um, and I'm in like a 12 team, uh, high stakes league with him. The one that I've already lost for lander and Strasbourg in, but, um, uh, uh, and, but that, that's the stuff I need to pay attention to, like pay attention to the skills. Don't pay attention to the outcomes. So like, you know, um, if a guy gets rocked, take a look, what was he doing? Like, not like your Tommy Malone who, who had like an outrageous CSW of like 37% in his start because like he's always actually been pretty good CSW-wise, but he just gets rocked. But like take a look at those guys who are interesting, like your Spencer Turnbulls. You're like he had a good outing, but even if he – let's say Castellanos gets a base hit off of him there with the bases loaded and he gives up three runs instead of one. So he goes th- he goes five and gives up three earned runs. You look under the hood and you're like, you want to listen, that was a pretty good team. The skills were there to support the strikeouts and to support the good performance. That's okay. I'd be flipping out if I was a Joe Jimenez owner right now because Joe Jimenez is down like two miles per hour right now, and his max velo is lower than his average velo. He's got those two saves in the bag, but two my saves, God, baby two it saves, wasn't pretty no. And, it and that's system. what you're hoping, right? Is that the velo yep. comes once he gets a little bit more time? But you got to be cognizant of those types of things, like Wade Davis. I don't. I don't. I had him in this week because he was on the road. Got those two saves, but man, the velo's down. He does not look good. So I'm, you know, any games and cores. I'm not putting him in there. So just try to understand like where they are from a skill perspective. Ignore the outcomes as much as possible right now, and try to let that be a guide to what, to who's playing and who isn't, as opposed to being reactive. And also on Fab, wait, wait for guys to get impatient. And to put those guys on the wire who are playing well, but not getting the outcomes happens every year in May, where you start to get those fines as people lose interest, that's going to be starting next week, the week after that. And you're still going to have seven weeks, eight weeks of the season to take advantage. So don't try as much as possible, not to, um, to chase outcomes right now, look at those skills. Let that be kind of the guide that that's, that's helping lead you hopefully to the promised land. You mentioned
1: Steven Strasburg. I'm going to jump to him right now just because we're on topic with that. He was scratched from his start with uh, nerve issues in his hand, took a shot for it. They said he started feeling it last Monday after his exhibition started with the Orioles. Good reporting. Glad we found that out to the day of. Good stuff there. That was um, brutal. They, they feel like he's going to be fine. He's day-to-day, but I don't know. how. how you, you are a Strasburg owner. I don't have him anywhere. I wanted him. I had nothing against him. I just never got him. Um, He's day to day with this issue. Like, how comfortable are you with him? Like,
2: even this week, are you going to put him in, assuming he's going to start, or what are you doing right now? He's not in my lineup Um, because I think there's there's the question of whether he's going to play. Number one, like I read the article. I think it was the, either the Athletic or Washington Post. It was it was not good. You know, he was like I felt this earlier on in the season. Obviously, he pitched okay during spring, so it didn't bother him that much. But he was like bothered me more and more. And he said like this was the last shot. I think is what he said. He was quoted as saying. Like he's had more than one, which is scary. Yeah. And so I don't have him in my lineups right now. I'm waiting. If there's no news, I'm just going to roll without him in there and put in another reliever. I'm fortunate in some of the leagues where I have him, where I have like Nick Birdie, you know, or I have like, you know, three closers and maybe a fourth. That's kind of a speculative closer type thing. So that's where I'd roll with them because what you don't want to do is get the total zero. You know, and also with Strasburg, this is the first time he's going to be pitching. You know, you don't know if he's going to get the Baltimore start, you know, or is it Baltimore? No, it's, um, who do they have? Who do they have to start off with? Miami. Miami. No, no, no. Miami's, Miami's going south. They have, um, Washington, don't they have Baltimore? Toronto. Oh, so okay. they have Toronto and then they have Miami. So they have Toronto yeah. for four. So if he pitches against Toronto, I mean, they're not that great of a team. I mean, they they look pretty good this weekend, actually. I mean, against a really tough Rays team. But, um, you know, they're not somebody who scares me necessarily, and neither is Miami. So if he pitches, I think you're feeling pretty good. But you also don't know, with the nerve issue, is he going to go five?
1: Yep. Probably it could, not. It could right? pop up at any moment.
2: Yeah. I, it's scary. I just, you know, and so unless I hear he's starting X date, if that happens before lock tomorrow – then I'll have him in there. If not, I'm just going to keep him out. And then if I miss a start, it sucks. But, yeah. you know, I'm trying to miss out on as few zeroes as possible.
1: All right. Uh, we talked about some COVID things. We have to talk about uh, the Reds had a catcher go down with it. And then uh, there's two players got scratched today due to not feeling well. They have not come out and said it's COVID. Maybe it's not. Maybe there's not feeling well. But it's kind of weird because Mike Moustakis went on the 10-day IL for not feeling well. Nick Sinzel has not gone on the IL yet makes you kind of think maybe one has it, one's waiting for a test. I don't know. Like They don't have to say anything, obviously, but it would be kind of strange to put Moose on the IL not feeling well in the morning. So uh, there's a good – well, obviously, he's out for this week. What are you doing with Moose? Because I'm not dropping him, obviously, but it's, it's one of those, if, it's, if we start hearing he's got symptoms or he's you know dealing with some issues, this could be like a three- to four-week thing, and now we're, we're in a different situation.
2: Yeah, I think you just have to monitor it. I mean, I, I think we've seen so far, relatively speaking, that each each case is different. But guys mm-hmm. can succeed afterwards. Like we look Definitely. at Yohan Moncada, Tommy Fam steals machine, Tommy Fam, DJ LeMayhew. So again, not to uh, underestimate the virus, or you know, but each each person is reacting differently to it. So it's possible. So what I would do with Mustakis, monitor the news closely this week see what happens, see what you're hearing. I think if he's symptomatic, I think you might have to move on just because I think the challenge and the thing I always ask myself with the injury questions. And I did do this with Verlander, right? Because I know, I think you mentioned he's out for the season. It's come out that it was like yeah. a, uh, it's a forearm strain, I think, which is always the worst possible news ever. Tommy John indicator. So he's out three to four weeks, I think, or like a few weeks, but I've dropped him in my 12 teamer, and it's just like what I ask myself is, okay, if you're in a league that doesn't have an IL and you have a short bench, you know, you're looking at those three weeks, and then that's that's just until he's able to pitch, right? Mm-hmm. And then you add on how how long does it take, take to get him game ready? Then when he's game ready, is he pitching enough innings to be good? And is he pitching well enough to help you out, right? And I think that's the key. And when you look at it, you're like, okay, let's say the the chance of it being three weeks is 50%. And then the chance that it takes another week or two for him to ramp up is 50%. Yeah. And then the chance that he pitches five innings in those first couple starts is 50%. All of a sudden you're down at 12 and a half percent chance. And then the chance that he pitches good is even smaller than that. So that's just like a basic way that I'd like to think about these injuries. And more often than not, I did it with Snell last year when he got injured. And it was like, he might come back towards the end of the season is like, you just got to move on because that roster spot is very valuable if you have a short bench and you don't have IL slots. So I would say just move forward, just you know move on, just do it. That's what Verlatter, Moustakis, wait and see. Um, yeah, Moustakis, wait and see, yeah. Sure.
1: Uh, real quickly, Josh Van Meter looks to get the most playing time at second base. We saw him in stints last year actually be usable in deeper leagues. Uh, would you see yourself, if you maybe are a Moose owner, going and grabbing him?
2: I mean maybe if it's, re- if, it's uh, if it's a really deep league I mean team, yeah. yeah I mean Van Meter was definitely interesting with the home run and home runs and speed. I definitely played him a few times. The play discipline is pretty good as is the hard hit rate. you know the batted ball quality I think on, on a stat cast perspective hasn't been great. but I mean he's generally solid so I could certainly see him um, I could certainly see him being a contributor in deeper leagues if he plays on a regular basis, I think he's definitely going to be a platoon guy. So he's not going to be in there against lefties. And so you just got to play kind of the matchups in that, in that respect. I think
1: uh, this next one's just kind of a, let everybody know situation. We got um, Mark Belanson has been pitching, but kind of been dealing with a little back issue a little bit. And uh, Will Smith has cleared to start full baseball activity. So he'll be back soon with the Braves. So just a heads up for we'll people to keep an eye on that. Like that's, that situation is going to start unfolding as we expected. Um, Randall Gritchick, he got removed from the game with joint inflammation. That's not great for a guy that we both like. Uh, We're still waiting on information there. They, uh, you know, T Oscar had a decent game. There's other other options in that Jays outfield. I guess it's a wait and see for now, but if uh, you need to make a move, is he a droppable guy for you?
2: It depends. I think in 12s, you could probably drop him um, just because, you know, the player pool there is just so much um, deeper uh but i like Mustakis. he's definitely not at that level but um like him i think you probably have an extra outfielder laying around so you can kind of wait and see for another week um the jays do have some good matchups coming up if my memory serves me correctly which is not all the time but like this week they do have the nationals although they have sanchez and boff to begin yeah, with right. uh, before getting scherzer and then you know again we're not getting um we may not be getting Strasbourg, so we may get Fetty on the other end of that. Uh, and then they've got Philadelphia, which is a nice matchup. Then they've got Boston uh, the following week and the Braves, which, you know, isn't doesn't necessarily uh, concern me at all. So, you know, hold on to him, see see what he does this week. You know, inflammation can be – he could be back in the lineup tomorrow. You know, I haven't seen anything that indicates that he – that this could be a long-term thing. So hey, hopefully
1: day. Is, uh, Latest reports day-to-day.
2: Day-to-day, yeah. So – to monitor
1: all right this one stings because ken giles was a favorite of many uh when you're drafting relievers if you weren't going for one of the top guys ken giles was a fan favorite of many Uh, and he is diagnosed with right elbow soreness going for an mri on monday we've known he has has a injury history in the past uh that of arm issues but um it it lingered again here i was a giles fan a lot of people like when he's on he's one of the better closers in baseball But uh, he's already dinged up here early in the season. Anthony Bass seems to be the guy. We'll talk about Anthony Bass bids in FAB. My goodness, people like Anthony Bass. But uh, with Ken Giles, again, obviously you're not dropping him right away. But right elbow soreness, this is almost as bad as uh, the Verlander situation.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not good. I mean, I didn't watch the game, but just from seeing people's tweets, it sounded like he just didn't look good at all when he was out there. Velo down considerably. Um, It all does not bode well, especially for a guy in Giles who's a two-pitch guy. I mean, he's a fastball slider guy, um, and he throws each pitch like 50% of the time. I feel like if my memory serves me correctly, but there's a lot going on in this memory right now in terms of information. So double-check that, but it's just not good. So I think it's another situation where see what the MRI says, but chances are I think you're going to have to probably move on. Um, from Mr. Giles, which is which is really disappointing. I mean, we knew that closures was going to be really challenging coming in. And, you know, it's proving to be, I think, really challenging already. Uh, and you mentioned the Melanson stuff. I got Melanson in a couple places. and That's rough.
1: Yeah, there's been a lot of closures. Like Jimenez hasn't looked great. Uh, Davis hasn't looked great. They're getting the saves. The Giants situation has just been an all-disaster. Royal situation. We actually have a listener question on some of these uh, save situations, so we'll talk about those later. But – these coaches are definitely managing already in a weird way overall. So it's going to be a 60-game season we thought would be crazy. It already is. And uh, to make it even better, Masiro Tanaka, who was hit in the head by a line drive by Stanton a few weeks ago, is been thrown out of the bullpen. He's expected to start this weekend in Baltimore. but only throw about three innings. So I wouldn't start him just yet, but just a heads up, if you held on to Tanaka, he'll be back shortly. But when I want to ask you about, Toby, this one's not good. Corey Kluber... I love Corey Kluber. Uh, Injured last year, obviously. He was going much later than he used to go in drafts. I still had some question marks there. Some guys I really, really respect uh, were all about Corey Kluber. It sucks because he barely got through one inning today. Right shoulder tightness. They said it got tighter and tighter each pitch he threw, which really scares me. Uh, So he's going to get reevaluated. I'm almost just saying drop him. Obviously, he could bounce back after a couple of weeks, but
2: this sounds bad to me. What's your thoughts? Yeah. It doesn't sound great. Yeah. I mean, I think with Kluber, like the draft capital is such, I think you wait, you know, it's a similar situation to Verlander in the sense that like, they both sound like awful injuries. We know what Verlander's prognosis already is. He got an MRI yesterday. Theoretically they'll do an MRI tomorrow if they haven't already on Kluber and we'll find out the results either tomorrow or later. So next week, I mean, if he's out, three weeks, four weeks, which sounds pretty, you know, pretty like, uh, like, uh, like, what's that? Pretty, pretty optimistic. Was that? I said pretty likely. Yeah. Yeah. Or I mean, I think it sounds optimistic, you know, based on just the description. Um, you know, so we'll see, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, but again, it's, it's tough out there. It's tough for sure. Um, Yeah.
1: Let's go to uh, Eloy Jimenez, who's been torching the baseball, as you know from your fantasy teams. He left the game after running into the wall on a play, and he's uh, diagnosed with lightheadedness. So day-to-day, they say his status for Monday night series opener in Cleveland, um, they, they should know more before the, that game begins. So at least before lock, you should know if he's got a concussion, he's going to be out for like a week, or if he's a day-to-day and he should be playing. But most reports think he's going to be fine. We'll see. But uh, Eloy is a a big one. How nervous are you? If if they say he's day-to-day, do you still start him?
2: Um, I don't start him the first half of the week in, like, an NFBC league. Um, Just because they only have three games, it's against Cleveland, and it includes one against Bieber. Um, And so, you know, if I know that he's only going to play two games that week, he's coming back from lightheadedness. You know, hopefully, you know, if it's not a concussion, let's hope it's not because there's no such thing as a minor concussion. Um, you know, let's uh, that's just two games, and one is against Bieber. You know, um, if I knew if he was fully healthy and just having those two games, I'd probably still have him in there just because I mean, he looks good. Yep, uh, he looks so good, like just all of his at bats, uh, except for the ones against Randy Dalvinak. He looked really good all weekend long. I think it's just a matter of time. I mean, if the White Sox are about winning games they can't keep him where they're batting him. He's hitting six in some instances. I don't know how you don't have him in there instead of E5, um, you know, hitting cleanup instead of Grandal. Like, I, you know, I just feel like that's something that needs to happen. But just for this week, I wouldn't have him in in that first four games unless he's in the lineup on Monday. If that's the case, then I put him in there. Um, but otherwise, um, I think you just you just hope that, you know, it's not a concussion, it's not long, that he's okay. And that he's back in there. I think this weekend, I think they have a they have a nice matchup, I feel like. If my uh, yeah, they have the Royals at the end of this week. So you're just Very hoping nice that guys. he's in there for that matchup, because that could be pretty sweet.
1: And the same game with the White Sox, Ronaldo Lopez left the start early with right shoulder tightness. I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. I'm dropping him if you own him. I didn't own him anywhere this year. I'm always a Lopez fan but I would drop him because this does not sound good. And the rumors are his replacement is Gio Gonzalez, and I will not be adding him. Do you have anything to add to that?
2: No, it's just sad. Yeah. Really high high hopes for Ray Lo towards the end of last season, or no, the start of last season. You know, he put a couple games together. I'll always remember that, like, I think it was, like, 13K game. Oh, Might have even been 15Ks against the Tigers that he had, where was just, like, beasting. Um. But, yeah, I think, you, I think you move on from him. It's just – the thing you got to start asking yourself is, and I think this is a really challenging question, is, okay, who's he going up against in the next week? Obviously, he's injured, but generally, like with guys who struggled a lot, you look at him and you're like, well, I'm not going to pitch him next week because I don't feel comfortable about, about that. So look to the next week's schedule. If you're not planning to start a guy for a couple weeks because the matchup isn't good enough, then that may be, it may be time to kind of move on and find a replacement for them.
1: Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, just a heads up for people that might've missed it. Jose Urania, Garrett Cooper, Harold Ramirez, and Jose Alfaro of the Marlins have been diagnosed with COVID. Uh, they're staying in Philadelphia. The team is not flying out to Miami until tomorrow morning. So they're going to, re- they're going to uh, arrive for their game tomorrow, a couple hours before game time. So that's something to keep in mind if you're setting stuff there, Tyler flowers and Travis day are node. Uh, we diagnosed with COVID for the Braves. So Williams, um, Contreras and Alex Jackson are catching. Are you interested in adding either one of those catchers?
2: I don't think so. Um Contreras is a guy I've liked from a from a dynasty perspective for a while. I, he was actually the first guy I the first first minor leaguer I drafted in my dynasty league that I started 2 years ago. Um because I went heavy on veterans to try to win now and he was it and I ended up trading him for somebody good. I think. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm not really that into either of them at this moment in time. Uh, but monitor playing time, you know, because any catcher, especially if you're in a 15 team double catcher league, any catcher that's getting two out of three, maybe even one out of two, if the hit tool is good enough, like go with them. But at this point in time, I think it's a little premature to do that.
1: Yeah, I'm going to stay off of those two as well. A couple more here Anthony Rendone still has not started a game yet, he worked out on Saturday. The, it's mixed mixed feelings in Anaheim. It's like some people are saying he might have to go on the IL. They're hoping he doesn't have to. It might be a, a down week again coming up. If you are a Rendon owner, do you roll the dice that he plays the back half of the week?
2: No. Well, I mean, de- definitely if he's not in the lineup on Monday, definitely don't put him in for Monday through Thursday. If you're in NFBC, if it's a weekly league, I don't put him in there either. I mean, it's an oblique. Like we all, we've, We've been to the oblique party before with plenty of players, and generally they're they're not, not great. Yep.
1: Not good at all. A couple more here. Giovanni Gallegos is supposed to return to the Indians in action on Tuesday because he's been stuck in Mexico. He's been pitching the whole time, so he's ready to go. That's where all the reports were. He showed up. He's ready to go. So he's supposed to start up with the Cardinals on Tuesday, which makes things very interesting, Toby, because, you know, Kim was called the closer. He got in. It was not pretty. He got the job done, but it was not pretty. Um, you have Helsley, who's been pitching pretty good in the seventh and eighth inning so far, and then Gallegos was the guy everyone wanted. I don't know about you, but what's uh, what's your thoughts on this uh, this Gallegos situation?
2: Well, I think I think it's still Kim. I think Kim still got it. Obviously, he got the save. He didn't look great. I didn't see the first two hits, but I think he gave up three singles. I want to say, and I know the the double play that he gave up. I think he gave up a double play was pretty hard hit you know, but giving up hard hip ground balls, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. So, um, you know, the Babbitt, uh, again, I didn't see it, but, um, but I think when the Cardinals named him the closer, I think especially, you know, new guy on the team had a decent contract. I I think they want to show, give him a shot and he didn't blow it. So I think until he struggles a couple times in a row, I still believe that he's going to have, have the job. Remember Gallego struggled towards the end of last year, I believe. Um, and so, and he's only done it one year. And that's one of the things about these relievers that have done it for one year that I'm a little nervous about is that the velo for a lot of them was really critical. And so if they don't necessarily have the same velo, so monitor Gallego's velo, compare that to what it was last year, you know, how's obviously been pitching well too, but there's also financial reasons why they wouldn't want to put him in the closers gig. Obviously that wasn't necessarily going to stop them it sounded like, but they didn't put him there. And he's a young guy, probably a part of their bullpen long-term. So why put him in a situation where he gets saves and and increase the cost of him, you know, down the road. So, you know, I, I think Kim's going to have the job. I actually think he is going to succeed in there, you know, from everything I've read outside of it, going up against the pirates in that start, he was really good. And so let's give him some time and, and, and maybe I'm just optimistic. Cause I, I have him on a couple teams, but um, you know, I, I think, you know, he's lefty thrown from the left side. You know, the velo was like, I think 93 to 95. I want to say like when he was going up against the pirates um, command looks pretty good. So we'll see.
1: Here's my question for you. Giovanni Gallegos has dropped this week in my TG FBI league. And it really mm-hmm. makes me want to bid on him next week. If he's out there, do you throw out bids for him? And if so, roughly how much would you put out there?
2: Well, it depends, right? You're going to have a week to check it out. I monitor his velo. If his velo is similar to last year, if he looks good on the mound, then I think that's the type of guy that I'm interested in throwing speculative bids at it. The way that I think about it, the way that I'm thinking about Fab a lot of times this year is multiply by three. So in a traditional league, what what type of a bid would I throw on this guy? And then I'm going to multiply it by three because we're at about a third of the season. Got so, you know, so like for me, you know, that's probably a bid in like the five to 15 range, you know, in a regular league, just kind of like you're he's not closing right now. So multiply that by three. So something like 15 to 45 bucks. It's all it depends on like what your situation is, but you make those and you, you don't think they're going to be anything, but you're hoping that something happens between the time you get them, you know, and the time you might have to drop them that, that bodes well for their chances of getting the job.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, Last piece of news here. There's plenty more out there. If you guys uh, are interested, go search it up because lots of stuff took place over the weekend. But I just want to hit on it. Clayton Kershaw was scratched with back issues. Apparently, he was lifting weights on Wednesday and tweaked it. But uh, he threw on Friday. MRI came back clean. He's feeling great. supposed to make his next start. So, knock on wood, we're all good with Clayton Kershaw. Um, It's, it's, It's not great. No, let's talk fab from this last week. I know you made a few moves around. What were some of the main, before we just go over like the the big ads and kind of talk about them, who were some of the main guys that you acquired this week?
2: Yeah, I mean, for for um, should I do TGFBI?
1: Uh, sure, that's what I'm going to do because I don't have a lot of NFPC, but you do whatever you want.
2: Okay. Um, well, generally speaking, my strategy heading into this week, part of this is because my teams are doing well, but I think part of it is also like, we've had, we've had three games, you know, we've had three games trust. I think Matt Modica said, uh, tweeted it out. And I uh, like the way he framed it. I think he said like, or no, maybe it was Doug Dennis, uh, and Matt and him were just engaging, but like, it was like, it was just like, trust your, trust your, you spent all that time planning your draft and don't just give up on those guys after three days. Right? Like there's some instances where you drafted the guy knowing I'm going to know at the end of the first week whether this guy is a drop or not. Right. So like Kyle Crick, for example, I had a ton of Kyle Crick didn't have him in a lot of lineups because he just didn't look good. I don't think he's getting anywhere near that closer's job, you know? And so he's gone. Right. And I have no problem uh, moving on from him um, in that particular instance. So my general strategy was hold on to the guys who you thought were going to be good, unless there's a real reason to believe that they're not. And I, I, I don't, unless I see a guy who's going to make a meaningful difference, I'm not going to put a big bid on there. So I kept my bids pretty reasonably except for in instances where I really needed a guy, you know? Um, and so in those, you know, because I think everybody's going to blow the fab early and the, the the second half matters just as much as the first half. And everybody says you got to get off to a fast start because it's a short season. Well, because it's a short season, you can also make up a crap ton of ground with the right players in your lineup towards the back end of the season. So just remember that it is a short season, so you have less time, but it also means that the margins are 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 finer and you can make up a lot of ground in that time. So my strategy, partially because my team is doing well and I like a lot of the pieces that I already have, but also just because like we just spent all this time doing draft prep and now you got your guys. I'm actually waiting as long as I can to spend that on guys who are going to make a meaningful difference on my team. I didn't see a ton of those here. I saw a lot of guys who could, but had big question marks around them. So to that end um, in my TGFBI, I did get Greg Holland. Uh, I bid 71 backup was 63. It was, I already have three close three ish closers. You know, I have two closers in birdie, like in that particular instance. And uh, you know, in situations like that, I don't, I'm not desperate for a closer, but I think Greg Holland could run with it. I mean, yes, yes, Matheny has said it's going to be a, a, a closure by committee. They all start that way, right, until somebody wins it. And and so, and Matheny even said afterwards, like I read the quote, and that actually upped my bids a little bit, where he was like, you know, Holland's done it before. He's been there before. When he gets in there, he doesn't shake at all. Like he's like, you know, he knows what to do. And that's the way that I think Matheny thinks a little bit. And so, you know, his velo was up. Uh, 22% swinging strike rate last year, even with diminished velo on that slider. You know, so I think he could be really good in the role. He struck out three guys. He, you know, he did great in his opportunity. So why not give the ball to him uh, again? You know, where, you know, the other guys looked okay from an outcomes perspective, but they weren't blowing socks off of people. I think Ian Kennedy had like one swinging strike in 20 pitches. So did Rosenthal, you know, his velo was high, but not necessarily like the 99 that we think about. Um, so Greg Holland was a guy that I went with. Um, I also got Eric Lauer. He's a big target for me this week, you know, kind of under the radar, but he piggybacked on, um, Freddie Peralta today. He had, I think two and a thirds innings, six Ks. He had a CSW of 41%, a swinging strike rate of 22%. He struck out Schwarber. He struck out, uh, I don't think it was by as like Schwarber, Bryant, you know, somebody else. When Knievel couldn't do the job, he kind of came in and was locked down. I think there's a good shot Peralta's not a five-inning guy with the Brewers. And so maybe Lauer's in there to piggyback and get the victory. Uh, if not, I think they're now lined up where Lauer could take that rotation spot away from Peralta if they deem that Peralta's a little bit more valuable in the bullpen. So I went with Lauer in a lot of my leagues, 24, no backup bid. I went Jacoby Jones in a lot of my leagues. Uh, who's gotten off to a really good start. He's batting ninth, but he could move up in that lineup if he continues to hit. Uh, 24, backup of one. Um, the big bids were Kim went for 200 bucks. Brady Singer went for 172. Bass went for 160. Uh, Brian Abreu went for 150, even though I think Presley definitely has that has that gig. Um, so yeah, those were kind of the big ones in my TGFDI. What about you?
1: Yeah. I just got a cup. Like I went and uh, got Jared clinic this week. Cause no one got him last week. I just want to, I wanted to stash him because I didn't really have any major targets like you were saying. So I went and got clinic, um, no backup bid there. So he could have, I could have got him for a buck, which is disappointing. And then just kind of speculating real cheap uh, for $12 because I could have went a buck here too. But um, I try to escalate the price a little bit. So on a the season and it's a crazy bid. I could see myself dropping him at some point in time, but just in case, with him and as being uh, goofy in, in, in Detroit, I wouldn't grab Buck Farmer now just to have him. He actually pitched well in his two outings. Um, so I just kind of stashed him cheap because if somehow he becomes the closer, we know how much he's going to go for. So that $12 will feel very nice at that point in time. And it's just one of those I really had no one else I wanted. The other guy I wanted was Brady Singer. You mentioned he went for like 170 or something in yours. He went for 31 in mine. I tied the bid, and I lost it because the guy that's behind me in the standings also put 31 so that was a a bit of a stinger there, but the the big ones here. Alex Cobb, Smotta, if you're still listening, Alex Cobb went for two hundred and seventeen dollars with no backup bid, so that was a bit surprising. Uh, Anthony Bass went high, Greg Holland went high, and like guys like Taylor, uh, Eno Saris went Taylor Williams with no backup bid, Michael Fulmer with no backup bid. So those are the kind of big ones that kind of surprised. Like I, Fulmer, I get, but at that price point, I was kind of surprised as well. Um. Let's go in just the overall NFC. There's like 188 total events here um, that uh, – leagues that took place here uh, in the fabbage. And Anthony Bass was one of the most added guys, went for as high as 600, as low as one. Uh, we had Greg Holland went uh, in 175 leagues, uh, as high as 990, as low as three. Brady Singer was popular, Kiki Hernandez, uh, Martín Maldonado. They were all added in over 100 leagues. Do you have any thoughts on uh, Anthony Bass? We talked kind of talked about him, Greg Holland. You mentioned Singer, Kiki Hernandez, Martin Maldonado.
2: Yeah. Um, for me, Bass was interesting. I mean, I put like some smaller bids in on him. You know, I think it seems like just from like a usage perspective, he went, he threw the eighth today. So it seems like he would be next in line. So that's the guy that I would throw down on. Um, you know, he doesn't necessarily have the ideal closer repertoire. He's, doesn't have strike out a guy per inning even he's got some decent pitches, but not really like a knockout pitch. Fastball isn't great. So, I mean, he's done the job, at, you know, in different places. So I think he's fine, but he's not necessarily somebody that I was super excited about. Um, who are the other guys?
1: Uh, were Brady's team.
2: Um, you're frozen up. I think, uh, uh now no, you're back.
1: It's, okay. uh, Brady Singer, Kiki Hernandez, Martin Maldonado.
2: Uh, so Brady Singer, yeah, I liked him. I put in some bids. He's got um, – I think he's got Detroit, want to say, if I'm not incorrect. Yeah, I think he's, he's got Detroit on Thursday, I believe. Um, so that's a really nice matchup. And then I want to say he's also got a two-start week yep. the following week, one against St. Louis and one against Pittsburgh, so not bad at all. So I think that was a really nice add uh, Kike Hernandez, you know, he's, 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 if he's playing every day, like that's going to be a really spot to be in. He's got the dual position eligibility, you know, he's shown flashes in the past, really good plate discipline, hard hit rate hitting the ball in the air more. So he's got all the pieces I think you look for, for kind of a breakout candidate. Um, you know, so hopefully he continues to play every day. Martín Maldonado. I think people are just, uh, rotating in probably, you know, uh, The matchup I want to say for Houston, what is it? Um, Yeah, I mean, Seattle, L.A., Angels. I mean, you know, it's probably catcher two stuff. So you're just trying to kind of grind it out, get a guy who's playing a decent amount on a decent team. A couple other
1: big ads. Oliver Drake, you got that save with the uh, Rays. Would you have any
2: interest in Oliver Drake? Oh, for sure, yeah. I mean, Oliver Drake, he's part of that bullpen. that is just What's that? He's your boy. You were tweeting about him last year. Yeah, I tweeted him. Well, you know, I, I can't take credit for that. I think it was Nick uh, Mariano um, who, you know, I, I put out a tweet that was like, yo, this raised bullpen. And it was like Posh and Kittredge and um, Pagan when he was on the team. Like, these guys are great. And uh, Nick uh, tweeted on Reese. He's like, yeah, don't sleep on Oliver Drake either. And I took a look at that and I was like, damn, Drake is really good. The one thing that stood out about that for me was they didn't put him in for lefty matchups interesting first guy he got was bo bichette i think he got two righties and one lefty that's big and so yeah i mean maybe i should have put that through down like a little bit more but um maybe i should have he was he went he was expensive man like in some of my leagues i want to say he was um God, let me let me take a look here. I think he went for over 150 in at least a couple of my leagues. Um let's see where's this good old Oliver? Oliver Drake. He went for
1: 105 in my TGFBI as high as 385 in certain leagues.
2: Yeah. Yeah, he went for 144 in one of my mains. He went for 83 in one of my mains. And then he also went for 113. Yeah. So he was, you know, he wasn't that expensive, but he was pretty expensive and everything the Rays have said, you know, they're going to go with a committee. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, he's a really good pitcher. I mean, that's, I don't mind having guys like that because they're really good pitchers, you know, at least they have been. And so, um, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening there.
1: Uh, Trevor Gott was added in 78 leagues, as high as two fifty-eight, as low as one. Picked up the save for the Giants the other night where uh, Tyler Rogers and Tony Watson split up duty in the eighth inning. So that was interesting to see. Gott has good stuff, but uh, was not really on the saves radar for the most part. Mm -hmm. A couple others that kind of – Carlos Rodon is getting a rejuvenation. He's getting added in a lot of places. Uh, Pablo Lopez got some big weeks coming up here. And then a bunch of kind of the usual suspects that it, you know coming off good weeks. Uh, Kim got added everywhere they wasn't added already. Kyle Wright. Um, you mentioned Jacoby Jones. Anybody else that stands out to you as ads for the week?
2: Um, uh, Jacoby Jones. I mean, I talked about him a little bit. Uh, got you know. I just I'm staying away from the Giants bullpen. Mm-hmm. Kepler has never shown any interest in using just like a single closer. Um, at all. And so I don't know why he'd start doing that with Trevor Gott. I was checking the giants game just now, just to see where they were like in the game and whether we'd have any more idea about what they were doing there. Miguel Rojas was a guy that I targeted super heavily in a lot of leagues with just little tiny bids, but man, he's come out smoking. He makes a ton of contact with all those injuries that the Marlins now have, you know, birdie batted second today, but I wouldn't be surprised if Rojas is batting second, for the foreseeable future for the four games they have against the Orioles. So I have a bunch of him across the board. He was a guy that I was, I was really interested in. Um, but, you know, outside of that, I think it's just a lot of Jonathan Hernandez is another guy I put a bunch of bids in on. Those were kind of the guys that stood out to me. And again, a lot of it was just looking at and saying like, you know, I like the guys that are going to go for high fab bids, but I don't, I don't think that's for me right now.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, if anybody's curious, go check out the whole list over the lottery teams, takes and scenarios. All right, let's take some listener questions and wrap this bad boy up. We will start at the top. Good old Yancey Eaton. Assuming Kyle Lewis is available in a fifteen-team league, what percentage of your fab are you willing to throw down on him if he's available in your league? I would run and go get him. I just, I don't want to break the bank. I know Toby won't break the bank. I'd say at least thirty to forty percent. I think never he's
2: legit, and I never break the bank. What
1: percentage? I'd probably go at least forty percent on Kyle Lewis. I think he's legit.
2: Yeah, I mean, he. Um, I think he went like around two fifty on average in a lot of the leagues that I was in, if not higher. Again, what I would do, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. But, um, you know, Lewis, the batted ball quality, I think, leaves little doubt but this is a guy who last year struck out in close to 40% of his plate appearances. Mm -hmm. And I haven't seen, I haven't looked at like what he's doing so far from like a contact perspective, but you know, he did this when he came up last year and then, you know, again, he, he kind of struggled for a little while there towards the end. So yeah, last year he had six home runs and 75 uh, plate appearances, that 268 batting average, but struck out in 38.7% of his plate appearances, a 351 Babbitt. So, again, he could be very good. And, um, you know, uh, he's yeah, he's already – it looks like in the comments they're saying he's already struck out six times this year. So, yeah, he's striking out 50% of the time. He's got a zero Babbitt because every time he's put the ball in play, he's hit a home run. So that, that. that's the thing is with these small sample sizes, you just got to just look at like – so he's – um his contact rate right now is – His in-zone contact rate right now is 30%, which means that every 10 swings, he makes contact three times. So he's making contact right now. He could continue to do it, but I don't want to put a big investment in a guy that is striking out that much. So that's kind of my take on it. Again, a great guy to add, but I wouldn't be relying on him necessarily for anything beyond power.
1: All right, uh, another guy on the Mariners, Yancey, wants to know about J.P. Crawford. He's continuing to uh, bat second in front of guys like Lewis and White, who are swinging good bats so far. Uh, we know in the past, Crawford, you know, in the minors, okay average guy, a little bit of pop, a little bit of speed. Nothing super flashy. He wants a big-time prospect. If he continues to be second. I like think he's 15 like an ad in a 15-team league.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's, he's a little bit interesting to me because he does have the plate skills. He walks a bunch um, low K rate, you know, even last year and close to 400 plate appearances, you know, 21%. So I think he's a matchup play for me. You know, the concern, right. Is, you know, again, 226 batting average, the contact, he does not make the quality of contact. You need seven home runs and 400 plate appearances and five stolen bases. And so I guess the question is like, yes, he may get you volume of plate appearances, But do you want volume of plate appearances at a 226 batting average? And the other question is, you know, again, like it depends on what your team situation is. But, you know, you got middle infield is so deep, you know, that is he really the guy that you need? And I would say look for a matchup where he's got good hitting pitting hitting matchups and he's got good stolen base matchups as well. You know, so it could be back into that Astros rotation. It could be, you know, other guys, you know, uh, none are coming to mind right now, back into the Mets rotation, things like that, where you can expect maybe a little bit of speed and a little bit of hit for that period of time, but I don't think he's a long-term ad.
1: All right, Yancey's last question, serious question, he says. When Flip serious. finishes first and second overall in the main event off the back of JT Romito, what's one fun thing you're going to buy? You can't say something land like, pay bills.
2: He knows me so well. Yes. yes um, no. I mean, uh, uh, again, it's very premature. Um, I, I, I do think. Let's see. Where am I at right now? Where am I at? I am still first in the overall, which feels good to be able to say. I'm not going to lie, even though we're just three days in, my other team is fifth now, so it's taking a little bit of a hit. But um, what I would, what I would buy, I'll probably buy a new TV. I'll buy a new, very nice TV. I've got my TV is probably like four or five years old. I had my brother-in-law. Um, uh, he, he just, uh, moved into a new place. He was asking me what TV I had and I told him and he was like, "You what you got to upgrade, man. And, um, you know, so I'd probably get a new TV. Um, I don't have a lot of things to be honest with you. Like I don't, I just don't have a lot of things. So, um, he knows me, I'm super boring. I'd probably like, you know, get, yeah, I don't know what I'd do. I'd, I'd probably put it to, put it away in retirement or something like that. But I bet um, you guys, I bet you take the kid to Harry Potter land
1: at Universal Studios and all dress up as Harry Potter.
2: Post COVID, post COVID. We would we go on a nice vacation. My wife certainly deserves it. She certainly deserves it for fab and putting up with me, my fantasy baseball interest. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I think I'd probably do. The TV, probably a couple shirts, um, maybe a new maybe a new computer. You know, maybe get like a nice Mac computer or something like that. I don't know, but I don't really need that. So, all right,
1: Taylor Bauer, Life. Taylor underscore Bauer eleven asks us in weekly lineup leagues: What are you doing with players like Austin Meadows, Nick Senzel, Hunter Dozier, COVID positive or suspected players this week, knowing they could miss the week or be back any day? Um, so first off, what do you do
2: with players like that? Yeah, I don't if they're not in on uh, Monday and it's a weekly league, I don't have them in my lineup. Yep, can't That's take totally a zero. There.
1: Yep, how low would replacement level need to be to roll them out there? <laughs> <laughs> like, if the backup he had on his
2: bench, how bad do they have to be to stay? Pretty, on the road? I mean, definitely deeper than a 15. Like, yeah. in 15s, you can get guys who play every day, right? Like, I could get Jacoby Jones, who's playing every day, he's batting ninth, which is. Not ideal, but he's got a little speed, a little bit of power, uh, and a good matchup. So I'd say deeper than 15 maybe. You know, If you're in like an AL only or NL only, I don't play them. But if you're in something like that and there's just nothing else available, then maybe it's worth it. But, you know, you just try to run the probabilities in your mind. What's the percentage chance that they're back? You know, um, what's the and then what's the percentage chance that they actually do well, you know, just coming back and not having seen – live pitching probably for a while.
1: Yeah. If I don't see any positive news on Monday, I'm just going to say screw it and play someone else. I'm not even going to mess with that. Uh, David Mendelson asks us which top 20 starting pitcher that has gone so far. Are we most concerned about which one that had a bad performance? Are you trying to buy low? So which one I'd say besides guys that got hurt, obviously are you most like we talked Charlie Morton. That's concerning. Who's who was the most concerning like top 20
2: guy for you? Uh, Charlie Morton. Yeah. Yeah. Charlie Morton is the one I'm I'm, uh, I'm worried about here. Let me just pull this up just to make sure I'm operating from the right starting pitchers here. Okay, so guys that concern me are um, outside of the injured ones. Charlie Morton, you know, Lucas Giolito concerns me. You know, I didn't see a buy low option for you. Would Giolito be a buy low? Here's the deal with Giolito. I love Giolito. I don't have any shares. And I think the reason I couldn't pull the trigger number one was because I generally had two starting pitchers by the time he was going around, but the schedule for him is brutal. He does. It doesn't let up like, like in the middle of the season, he starts to get the Tigers and the Royals and those games, but he's got the twins a couple of times. I think he's got the Brewers. I think he's, he's, you know, at, at Milwaukee, like I just thought he was going to get off to a slow start. And so I don't have him on any of my, any of my big teams. Um, um, The only other two guys that concern me, I am concerned about you Darvish. I don't have any shares of you Darvish. He's just so inconsistent. And you saw it against the brewers. He didn't walk anybody. My God, I was not comfortable watching that start. I was just waiting for them to just start bombing it off of him. And I don't know what it is. He's throwing hard with velocity, but I just wasn't that that into the way that he looked. Um, And then the other guy would be uh, Clevenger. I think Clevenger, based on competition and what he was able to do, he was still solid. But again, I don't have any shares of Clevenger either. And maybe it's just again confirmation bias because I don't have these guys, but Clevenger definitely worries me. Um, Guys that I would buy low on, I mean Scherzer. I don't know if you can buy low on Scherzer after twelve Ks, but people seem to be disappointed in his performance. um, You know, which is understandable given the cost that he was. Um, I don't know if there's any buy lows. In that group, really, it's tough to buy low on a twenty pitcher after yeah, one start. Yeah, it, it is hard to buy low on on a a guy like that. I'm just trying to think of. Um, let me look at my spreadsheet. Oh, one guy who concerned me, one guy who I'd be concerned about is Brandon Woodruff.
0: Yeah, again,
2: really? Up against the Cubs, he was up against the Cubs. One of the reasons why I was down on him heading into the year is because that the CSW and the swinging strike rate did not support the number of Ks he had. Um, The one day that I really looked in depth at at CSW, Woodruff had an 8.2% swinging strike rate, seven out of 85 pitches, and his CSW was 24.7%. Now, he didn't pitch poorly, but that tells me he wasn't fooling anybody. Again, Cubs, very good lineup, but you would expect more from a guy who's theoretically your SP2, I think, in a lot of instances. So that would be one guy that I'm concerned about. And then a guy that I would buy low on who's maybe a little bit deeper down who didn't pitch that well. Maybe, you know, just going based on the stats, I would say maybe um, maybe I'd go with uh, Aaron Nola. 16.3% swinging strike rate. Thirty-five percent CSW again. Marlins aren't great, but really, what he did is he had—I think he had one bad inning where, you know, he, he gave up a couple of hits and then a home run, and that was about all he did. Um, so, you know, I, I think that would be a guy that I might think about buying low on, depending on what he does in this in this next start. Another guy who wasn't super impressive—you know, Boyd obviously wasn't impressive. Uh, Berrios was not impressive at all. Good White Sox team, but 9.3% swinging strike rate, 24% CSW mad bum did not look good, um, at all 9% swinging strike rate, 26% CSW. Soroka had a really nice swinging strike rate at 13%, but it was only 26.1% for a CSW. So to me, that says, you know, again, I don't know if the K's are coming anywhere. So, um, yeah, so that that's that that would be my kind of rundown initially on pitchers. I haven't had the deep done the deep dive on the Saturday guys or or today's just because just because of Fab man.
1: Uh, Barrios and Bumgarner, which are the velocity down guys, so something to keep in mind there. Um, Fantasy Capper asked, "What about Granky, who had a rough day today? He he struggled a lot in Seattle, but." I, I didn't look at his, his big-time numbers, but uh, I didn't see anything that stood out too crazy when I, when I looked at the the glimpse of it. So yeah. I wouldn't panic yet on Granky.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't panic on Greinke either. I mean, the thing about Granky is you didn't get him because you thought he was going to be dominant necessarily in the same way that you would necessarily anticipate. But we kind of knew heading in that this wasn't going to be a great start for him. His Velo was down. 87-7 is not, is not terrific. Uh, that's like Kyle Hendricks style. But we knew that he wasn't up. He wasn't up to par yet, right? He, we knew. I think from the mining the news and just doing our own research that he wasn't going to go the full game. He only threw fifty-eight pitches today, um, so that's one thing. Um, you know, it doesn't look too bad. Just looking at looking at it, you know. Again, uh, he had seven out of fifty-eight pitches. This is great entertainment right here. Watching me run my calculator. So he had a twelve point one percent swinging strike rate. And then his CSW was thirty two point eight percent, so that's really good, you know. So even though with the decreased velocity against a not very good opponent, you know, the skills and that's not the only skill that matters, but those were generally there. I think he walked a couple guys, which is very, which is not what he usually does, and so I just don't think he's there yet. He had a really awful first start last year too, and then he was brilliant for the rest of the year, pretty much. So. I still have faith in Granky. so maybe that's a guy where people weren't impressed, and they may want to move on early. That I might look at Granky. All
1: right, Torres talks baseball. Wants to know why am I addicted to Garrett Hampson, and where can I get help for this? Um, you're addicted because he had a great September, but you forgot the fact the Rockies going to screw with him. So that's 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 where uh, where you can get help. There's a lot of people on Twitter that can help you because they're all on the same boat. For sure.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a common affliction, right? The talent our belief in them and how well they're going to do does not coincide with the facts that we've seen so far. And, yep. you know, that's why we love the game. So embrace it, but don't get too carried away so that it impacts your, how good your fantasy baseball team is.
1: Okay. A couple of bullpen questions here from wake up um, Pittsburgh. What are we doing with, with, with the closers there? You got birdie. You have um, Crick, Kella will be back one day. What are you doing with Pittsburgh?
2: Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, Crick, it looks bad. I would stay the heck away from Crick. Velo's down, just doesn't look like a good pitcher. Uh, Ricardo Rodriguez is a possibility. You know, he pitched, though, I think in the sixth the other day. Again, you know, they've said it's a committee, but, you know, we got to look at, like, what the usage is so far. Um, Birdie is... um, uh, Birdie's Birdie's really freaking good. Like, I think he... He had an 18% swinging strike rate last year. I think he is potentially a dominant reliever, and even if he doesn't get saves, I don't think it's going to hurt hurt you to have him in the lineup. So he's definitely the guy that I'm targeting. I mean, I love Birdie. I've loved him last week. I've got him on a ton of diff- ton of different teams, um, and then I think Michael Feliz is another guy that you got to be looking at who hasn't been mentioned, but has always had the skills and I think is starting to gain the trust of the and the confidence of the manager. And I think that's one thing that's really important, right? You got these new managers, you know, they're watching their guys real closely and if they're blowing up in the bullpen, you know, that sticks with them. Those first impressions I think stick with them. So I like Birdie. I'd be hardcore into him. Uh, Feliz is kind of a sleeper. Maybe that doesn't get talked about maybe Rodriguez, but uh, I think Birdie's, you know, borderline playable just regularly because I think he's going to strike out you know, one and a half guys per inning on average about.
1: Uh, St. Louis, we already mentioned Kim's the guy there that we kind of like. Kansas City, we hit on, you know, Rosenthal, Kennedy, Holland. I think we basically, you're thinking Holland's the guy?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, again, like we just don't know, but everything that I see so far points towards Holland. You know, he got, uh, they saved him for when um, uh, when they had a lead. They used the other guys earlier where they would never have been in save situations. And he did really well at the job. You've got a quote saying the manager trusts him and believe that he's done this before and that he has nerves of steel, you know? So, and, and I think he can be good. I think with a mile per hour velo bump, if that continues to get higher as he warms up, that's better. We've already seen that he can be successful with that slider, even with low velocity. Why not? Why can't he be successful?
1: Um, last question from wake up How much fab would you spend on Spencer Howard He's supposed to jump into the rotation here Pretty soon they're guessing because Well he threw today they're trying to keep him on track To go with Vinny V Finally get taken out it sounds like so Spencer Howard should be coming up in the next Week or two um, I'm still being tentative on that I think he's a good Good pitcher but I kind of want to hear more On it beforehand but once we hear that He can go for a lot what would you spend on Howard
2: um, Vinny V went today right
1: yeah, it was not pretty. The first game yeah, was I pretty, mean, pretty, not so much.
2: I mean, it could be a good investment. I mean, if, if, he, if he took Velasquez's next start, you know, that would be Toronto, at Toronto, and then he'd have Miami, uh, and then he'd have potentially Baltimore or Atlanta. So, you know, uh, uh, I mean, I don't like putting big bids in. It's yeah. probably going to be my downfall this year, but... Um, you know, if, if there's anybody who's going to come in and make a difference besides Nate Pearson, Howard seems to be the guy he's in a good context. So why not throw a couple bills at it? 200, 250. I don't know. I, I'm not going to do that, but all so right. Listen uh, to, Bubba. What I'm saying. Listen to Bubba. Bubba. How much would you throw in there
1: on Spencer Howard? I would throw Maybe like 120. I'm not going to go too crazy on him because I, I like Spencer Howard, but I would, if I wanted Spencer Howard, I would draft Spencer Howard. I'm not going to play a bidding war for Spencer Howard. So we knew he was going to come up in a couple weeks. I was just we knew that going into it. I, I'm not going to go on a bidding war for him. Um, Dave yellow asks, he has Verlander on his team. He also drafted Whitley late. Do we think Whitley gets the job? You'd like to think so, but I think they have so many moving parts in Houston. you got Framber Valdez or Keeley supposed to come back or key to get the shot before Whitley does.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you just need to see how it lines up. So like Granky went Granky pitched today. And so then, you know, you have, um, God, let me, let me bring up my, my grid here. So, cause one of the things you got to take into consideration too, is even if they're, even if they're down a guy in the lineup, then just, um, then it, but if they have off days, they can just skip, you know. They can skip uh, times through the rotation, you know. And it's not like they've treated their rookies in in other situations, you know, like Kyle Tucker, where you know they're put they're they're anxious to get them into play. So you got Grankey today, James on Monday, Framber Valdez on Tuesday. Then you would have where Jer- Verlander usually goes, and they'll probably do some sort of bullpen game or something like that. Then they have an off day. Then you have McCullers, Granky, James, Framber Valdez. Um, well, and then you have another off day. So really they're not going to need him until early August at the, at the earliest, you know? And so, you know, I I don't think I would speculate on him. We also just don't know how he's going to pitch, you know, he's obviously got the skills, but he's also looked really bad at, at different times. And a lot of young pitchers struggle initially. So, um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, targeting those kinds of guys. But once they announce what his role might be, and if he's that guy, obviously the price will go up, but um, you know, so maybe I'll throw like a little bit, just to have him on my team when that announcement is made. But other than that, not super interested.
1: Uh, At at MMS 79, we answered the Verlander question. We answered a Kyle Lewis question. So the other question he has uh, thoughts on Gregory Polanco, potentially coming back this week. I'm not running to go play Gregory Polanco. He's been Gregory Polanco, unfortunately for a few years. Uh, if you're in a super deep league and you want to take a chance, sure. But I think there's other targets I'd rather go for. What about you, Toby?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you're in a 15-team league, you know, um, sure, go ahead. Play the matchups. Um, you know, they do have Milwaukee. Um, I think that's three right-handed pitchers coming up early next week. Then they have the Cubs. Then they have Minnesota, Detroit, St. Louis. So they've got a nice little stretch of games there. So, yeah, if you need power – potentially speed in your bat. But again, Polanco is not necessarily anybody that, um, you know, that you really want to invest a lot in given the long history of injuries and relative lack of performance. A couple
1: more here. Sam Crawford asks, how are we going to go prospect crazy next year with no MILB? I'm positive we'll be able to go prospect crazy because that's what we do. There will be enough beat writers and enough people speculating and videos out there. We'll be able to go just fine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're really going to have to track those beat writers really closely because those are going to be like, you know, in the bulleted section, the little news and notes there down at the bottom is where you're going to get the little updates about like Wander Franco looks great. Obviously, we don't really, we know Wander Franco is going to be great, but like, you know, some of the lesser known prospects like so-and-so is impressing in alternate camp or whatever.
1: Yeah, definitely going to be there. At Zach Roto asks, if you could take 25 cents on the dollar, would you cash all your chips out in the main event right now?
2: If I could take twenty five thousand dollars right now,
1: twenty five thousand dollars. So you right yeah, twenty five thousand dollars right now. To work. So. <laughs> so. There we go. Come on, man. Um, I mean,
2: look, my teams are doing really well, but we're three games into the season. If you told me at the beginning of the, the season you're going to invest twelve hundred dollars in a league and you're going to make twenty five thousand dollars off of it, heck yeah, I'd take that right now. Like I'm not, I'm not greedy, man. The pot odds on me winning the overall, despite being one one currently. Yeah is very very slim so i would definitely take that um you know but i want to play it out i want to have fun this is fun for me so
1: uh, marty at beamer cleaner asks how long should we wait to pull the trigger on a guy that starts off slow in only 60 game season we talked about it a lot it's a lot of it's dependent on your roster but you can't wait too long that's for sure
2: Yeah. I mean, the thing is just like any time you got to look, don't look at the outcomes, small sample. Don't look at the outcomes. Look at the skills. If a guy's contact rate is the same, if his hard hit rate is the same as if his barrel rate is the same, everything's the same, but he doesn't have home runs or he doesn't have the batting average he usually has. That generally means that pretty soon it's going to come. And so what you don't want to do is bail too early and miss out on that. But if it's clear that a guy is struggling and there's some reason he might be struggling, right? There's news that he might be injured. His contact rate has plummeted. He's hitting the ball on the ground a ton more than he used to, you know, things like that. Like then that, that would be a reason to move on from a guy because, you know, because he's not playing well. And, and I think that's a different thing. And it also depends who they are, right? If it's your second round draft pick and he's struggling, you're not just going to drop him. Right. Because theoretically he was good, you know, he was good. That's why you drafted him. So 100%
1: Hundred percent with you there. A lot of uh, context into play on that one. Couple questions from the chat here. Pete Tartag yeah, got- asked.
2: Oh, "This is great, thanks everybody."
1: Yeah, Pete Tartag asks, "Do we think uh, Hudson takes over the ninth inning role in DC basically from Doolittle?" I've been a fan from day one, saying Hudson's going to get plenty of chances there. I think you know a lefty matchup, righty matchup thing plays out pretty well. Uh, what are your thoughts on that DC situation?
2: Certainly looks good today after today, right? I mean, it's recency bias, but. Doolittle didn't look great. He blew blew the lead, I think, and he was in in the eighth, right? If I'm if I'm not incorrect, either the eighth or the seventh. And his velocity was down a lot in spring training. I haven't checked it out yet, but I imagine if we took a look at it, it would probably be down. So yeah, I'm you know, I think Hudson's Hudson's a great spec. Uh, real McCoy Break says Oliver is a must pickup, in his opinion. So check that out. He's a big
1: prospect guy, so he would know what he likes there. Uh, Leland Taglieri had a bunch of uh, questions. I'll kind of sum them up for you here. For the Mariners, like Matt McGill's closing right now, it looks like you got Yoshihira Hirano there. McGill you, threw the
2: fifth today.
1: Oh, so that just gets even better there. Do yeah, you think I dropped Austin, McGill, I dropped McGill think, in a couple
2: of weeks. like if, if, right. if they are going oh, to finish the question, sorry.
1: I was going to say, do you think Austin Adams is the closer once he returns?
2: I don't think anybody's going to be the closer. If I was going to spec on a closer, I'd go with Hirano when he's back from COVID. So if he's on your wire, if somebody dropped him, then I would look at a speculative ad later on just because he's got the contract, he's old, you know, they, they you got to think about the context that they're in. Like they want to move pieces, right. They would love for Hirano to look good in extra inning or like in the closer role and then ship him off to somebody else to be their seventh or eighth re- reliever for some sort of minor leaguers, right. Or some sort of chip that they have because, you know, they're not necessarily, they're going for it this year, but they're not going for it this year. Although they did, You know, they are they are two and one. Right. Um, uh, But like a situation like Seattle is a good one. It reminds me of the Giants in the sense that it's not a very good team. You know, it's clear that it's going to be a committee unless there's one solid guy. So if there's no point, there's nobody good enough in there to be it. I think Austin Adams probably has the best skills of anybody in that bullpen. So would I want him probably over everybody else? Yes. But I think Carano, if anybody is going to get that job and roll with it, it's going to be him.
1: Yeah, in the preseason, I was on the Toronto train just because of experience alone and uh, get some work out of him. Davey Deals likes to deal, so I could see that being on there as well. Uh, last question, Leland Taglieri asks, um, Jose LeClerc, he was sketchy
2: early on here. Are you stashing Montero anywhere? Uh, no, I'm stashing Jonathan Hernandez. Uh, Montero has not pitched yet. Um, he's either injured or has COVID. Uh, Jonathan Hernandez is the clear eighth inning guy. He's been a star in spring training, in summer camp. He's looked really good. He's pitched really he's pitched pretty well here. I think he's got two innings now, two clean innings. Um well I don't know if it's called clean. I mean, no earned runs given up. Um, but uh I think he's given up like one walk and one hit, I think, in those, and he's struck out two. Uh Leclerc looks shaky. He always is kind of shaky. So uh, Hernandez is a guy targeted a bunch as kind of like a, you know, if Leclerc blows a save or two this week. Even not, I could see them going to him just because I think um, Woodard has has said before the season started that they wanted to move the clerk around a little bit. and um, Maybe use him in the highest leverage situations. And so I could see an instance where Hernandez actually gets those ninth inning looks at this point in time. And the other guy, Martin, who was kind of rumored to get looks, I think he had COVID. I think Montero's just injured. Um, so, yeah, that, it would be Hernandez that I'd be going for. He's gone in pretty much all 15 team leagues, though. By this point, Wait,
1: one more question from the YouTube guys. Uh, Kenny Linson asks, Do you guys like the new extra innings rule? I don't like it at all. I never liked it to begin with. Uh, I think it's just silly. Even Clevenger said it's dumb. Uh, I get why they're doing it, but I'm not a fan of it at all.
2: Yeah, I don't like it either. It's just, um, it's not that big of a deal. It's artificial to me. Yeah. You know, and and um, and so I would rather they tie. I don't know what the problem with ties is. NFL ties, soccer they tie, you know, but for some reason in baseball we can't have a tie? Why? Why can't we have yeah. a tie in baseball? ABO has ties. It Does Stewart. it? Yeah. Let's do it. Play max of 12 innings. If it we gets got 12 another question. innings, then call it a tie.
1: Cubby Noel drops in uh, with a question real quick. Roll the two-start dice on Homer Bailey versus St. Louis in Cleveland. Uh, do you, would you roll the dice? Because he could? he says he could suck, but he could still get dubs. What's your thoughts on that?
2: Uh, Bailey is a little bit off my radar. Yeah. And it's maybe not for a good reason, but he just hasn't looked good, I think, all spring. Um, he got rocked his last time out. A two-start is a big commitment. Um, Cubby, will, Cubby will know who I'm talking about here. I, have, I would rather start Alec Mills uh, at Cincinnati and then at home against Pittsburgh than I would – Homer Bailey against St. Louis in Cleveland. I think especially that Cleveland one is like just a little dicey. And again, being the beginning of the season, um, I, I'd be a little bit uh, concerned about whether he will go five or not. Um, and he just hasn't looked sharp yet. So not that I'm like that scared of the St. Louis lineup. I think they're a little overrated as a lineup, but um, yeah. Anyways, and let me know, Cubby, if you're watching this live, let me know what you think about me starting Alec Mills. The one thing I'm concerned about is that he doesn't go five, um, in those, but you know, I th- actually thought he was a really good pitcher last year and it seems like he's a smart pitcher. Um, you know, doesn't have the velocity, but he's got a couple nasty breaking slash off speed pitches. And so I feel a little good, better about that than a guy like Bailey who is relying on who's giving up home runs a lot throughout his career and has a lot of, um, uh, a lot of um, splitter. He's got that splitter that could be tough.
1: Yeah, no, I, I used Bailey a lot last year when he was pitching in Oakland on the road. Not so much. Uh, Cubby Knoll says, thanks. Uh, no Senzel or Moose versus Mills and
2: above average secondary offerings. I can see that. That's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's a great point. Yeah. They, they do have a little bit of a reduced lineup, if you will.
1: All right. That'll wrap us up this week. Episode 45 in the books. Opening weekend in the books, lots of good stuff. Toby, any final thoughts?
2: Uh, I don't think so. Thanks everybody for listening. I mean, this has been a lot of fun. You know, there's positive, there's negative for sure. But, you know, um, baseball is a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun watching the games and um, doing the things that I normally do, checking the box scores, checking the scores, checking the live scoring, you know, doing it all. Fab, I don't know if I'm quite enjoying Fab yet, but it's nice to have that first, Fab run out of the way, kind of get the grease the wheels, if you will, of trying to get that fab machine going. So uh thanks everybody for listening. A lot of fun. Um thank you, Bubba, as usual. And, and I hope everybody has a really good week. Yep. We'll do it again
1: uh next weekend. Another hopefully a great weekend of baseball ahead of us. Everyone stay safe out there and dodges all the minefields that are uh, in the day-to-day life we live. But uh check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at BD This was Bubba and the Batflip 45. Catch you guys next week.